Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Thriving Minds Podcast with your host, Walter Parada, where we strive to provide you with empowering talks so you can live to thrive. So let's get in the right frame of mind and let's focus on the things within our control. So today's episode is about exploring masculinity. Masculinity is generally defined as characteristics of men or boys. The common things when thought of of masculinity are that of strength, toughness, dominance. These words are used to describe that manliness term. That the rougher you are, the more masculinity is associated with it. The word that is linked with it is testosterone from a biological standpoint. And this is a hormone that is found in both men and women. And it's involved in many parts of health and well-being. But masculinity is such a very loose term. And is shaped by much of what we see culturally, but also biologically. So from a physical standpoint, it's easy to see why masculinity is associated with what we see as a male. Because males tend to be taller in stature, with a little bit more broader shoulders than females. But that alone does not mean that that signals strength. The biology of how we see males is loosely shaped and is then pigeonholed to make it identifiable. And that is what we accept culturally. Where the common thinking is that the more masculine you are, the better leader you are. Head of the household that what you say is as goes. Masculinity serves a purpose that helps us survive where if there's a threat from a physical standpoint, it does help us protect what we deem as valuable. So that general thinking of the man protects the family by earning the most money to take care of the wife and the kids or when things need to be repaired or there's an emergency, the man's going to take care of it. Or just even the primal instinct of if somebody threatens the family of the male in any way, they're probably going to take it in their own hands in a physical form to fend off that threat. Like anything else, there's a balance that helps us make progress And when we're off balance, there's a tendency to hold us back. So in this case, it can be seen as a good side of masculinity that helps us protect when needed. But we've got to remember that women can also be masculine. It is not only a term used for men. So when a man is seen as more masculine, that is a good thing. But when a woman or a girl is seen as masculine, there tends to be a negative connotation with it that they're not ladylike. This signals conformity that men should do the rough and tough things and women should do the dainty and delicate things. So culturally, there's almost like an unwritten rule that men need to behave or are expected to behave in a certain way. And the same goes as well for women. That aggressiveness that men show is something that's applauded. And when women show this, it's seen in a bad light. But this is so backwards thinking that restricts the progress that we all can make. Now obviously, over the past 50 years, we've progressed where it's not only thought of as men only do this job and women should stick to certain roles. But there still tends to be that general way of thinking where men take a certain route and women take another route. This is the type of masculinity that holds us back. There's actually a certain level of testosterone needed for both men and women, and too much can cause an imbalance in health. It affects mood that increases aggression, so there's a tendency to be a little bit more on edge, where if the slightest thing is interpreted as a threat, 
it can cause some unnecessary tricky situations. So the general thinking of more masculine means more strength can cause problems such as in a case where someone who's more aggressive will probably take feedback from school, work, or peers in general as a threat that they must defend themselves where maybe somebody was making a suggestion to help them out. This could be a simple suggestion of, could you speak a little louder or clearer in the next presentation because those in the back could not hear well. Someone being told that who has a higher amount of aggression may yell back at them or want to pick a fight with that person who made the suggestion. They'll probably feel attacked and not improve on what they need to do so others can better understand them. This approach of shoot first and ask questions later can lead to a lot of frustration because of the inability to see things from an objective point of view. Some people might covet this type of attention where they pride themselves on others not questioning them. So they'll give off more of that aggressive behavior to protect what are really insecurities. These insecurities might arise because they haven't been able to properly deal with some inconvenient truths where they could improve on or where they're lacking. The false sense of thinking that others respect them is mistaken for others fearing or just wanting to avoid an unnecessary blow up from what they see as an unreasonable aggressive person. In dealing with things from a higher amount of masculinity, there tends to be that brute force mentality of, I'll just bulldoze my way through it to make things happen to the way I want them to. This can cause a lot of destruction to the relationships that have been formed. People who may be able to help out will be less willing to do so because of that nature that has taken. This signals a certain amount of unreasonableness that is going to push many intelligent and wise people away. The only ones that will be left are those that are willing to conform and follow whatever's told to them. Ultimately, this leads to becoming weak because of the want to have yes people all around them so they can feel good. People who only agree with whatever is said, even if they know or think that what is being said is absolutely incorrect, are a liability. And when people operate with this false sense of correctness, it leads to devastating results because no one is there to point out the warning signals of the dangers that are ahead. This just feeds the ego of needing to feel validated for how they carry themselves, needing to appear right in front of others. It really is predicated on having a certain set of followers to prop them up to make them feel good about themselves. But the reality is all those insecurities that are being covered up are just eroding things from the inside where when you're not right internally, you're more prone to defending anything that comes near you that it would be much better to ignore the underlying issues of what hurts instead of working to repair, improve things on a personal level. If we think of this in terms of our health, it all starts from the inside and not just from an outward appearance. So while being properly groomed, brushing your hair, your teeth, having your clothes ironed, if what you're doing internally is damaging your health. So those things like eating unhealthy foods as your primary source of fuel, dwelling in negativity, sitting around wanting to be entertained is eventually going to affect your appearance. 
When you can truly be confident in who you are and what you stand for, what might seem threatening from others can better allow you to take this as room for your own improvement. That it does not blind you from seeing things objectively. It takes a tremendous amount of humility and strength to recognize the things that you've done wrong, where you could have been better. This signals that you can get past your own bias and own up for your actions. This is a characteristic of true strength because to build it, it involves experiencing discomfort to come out better for it. Both women and men display this, and it is time to stop dividing the lines on where women and men stand. We are not separate from each other like it is a team competing against one another, where the winner comes at the expense of the loser. We can be better together, and for this to happen, we need to break free from how women and men should behave or be seen. It should not be seen where women are weak and men are strong, because both women and men have their weak moments, and they have their strong moments, but that alone does not define us. A moment of weakness does not make you weak, and a moment of strength does not make you strong, but it's an accumulation of the moments that responded to, and we can be ever-changing. Men can cry, and that should not be seen as a weakness, but as a place of processing what they're going through. This has been so stigmatized, the common phrase of, man up, and don't cry because real men don't cry, it only suffocates the person that they need to be, that leads the person into what others expect of them. Everybody hurts, and it's not a liability when you do. It just means that you're human, and that it's okay to feel your emotions when you're feeling down, and not need to put on a front to show that everything's okay. So when men do feel down in the dumps, it's okay to be vulnerable and open up to others and talk about what you're going through. This does not make you any less of a man because a man is not only regulated to a symbol of toughness, but is merely a term from a biological standpoint. So how can we embrace this type of thinking where we have the freedom to be who we are and not trying to fit into what society tells us we need to be? It's a lot more acceptable now for a man to be a stay-at-home dad and the wife works, but we need to make progress beyond that. There is still the resistance of accepting change, and some will point to this is why society is falling apart, or it's not like what it used to be. And that is true. Things should change and not just remain the same. Some could argue that's why we're not tough as we used to be, because we're babying the next generation. But I think we're showing a real level of significant progress so people do not feel suffocated. We finally move beyond the suffer and silence era. If tough means to take crap all your life, then maybe not being seen as tough by others is worth it. Should you care how others view your masculinity? In that old school type of mentality where parents or elders in general will tell kids, maybe even more so to the boys, not to cry. It's almost like teaching them to suppress what they're going through and they just carry that on later in life. So the issues that they might be going through, they'll just bury their head in the sand, ignore them, and possibly have some sort of coping mechanism that is not going to help them work through it. Or maybe there is no coping mechanism to help them and instead are only suppressing themselves, slowly eroding at who they really are. A common thing men do when they do feel suffocated but want to live up to that common view of masculinity is to numb their pain through various things, 
This might be indulging in excessive amounts of alcohol or being with different women. This suppresses the pain for a little while, but they're going to continue to experience that pain once they're away from it. So I want to pivot a little bit into the work culture because this is where it tends to be masculine as many men dominate these organizations, especially at the management level. So to be successful in these organizations, being assertive and highly competitive seems to be what's needed. Giving off that impenetrable shield signifies to other people how tough they are that automatically warrants respect from everybody else. So the higher you are in the hierarchy of your organization, the thicker that shield looks to everybody else. And in a way, this is what others who work for that organization feel that they have the power over them because they're the ones that make the decisions. It could lead to people feeling inferior based on where they are in the totem pole of their workplace. You know, I've heard some really disheartening comments in the workplace where people with great suggestions are not being listened to simply because of their lack of title that they carry, where they say, why are they going to listen to a nobody like me? When this does happen, it only breeds a club of exclusiveness where only a select few are worthy of contributing and everybody else outside of that circle or that club are not valid and only there to carry out the instructions for those that make the decisions. This can lead to people feeling emasculated where they don't feel that they have the power to do anything to contribute. That they feel weaker because they've been deprived of the feeling that they make a difference. And while yes, they do make a difference in the workplace because they're the ones that actually take the action to make things happen, they still don't get the sense of that. Their belief has been stripped because of the hierarchy of dominance that's been ingrained into many workplaces. And over the last several years, there has been a concentrated effort on being more inclusive, but things are still run by that dominance factor, where many view it as, I must do exactly as the boss says, or face the repercussions of what they see as insubordination. That if you disrespect the boss in any way, that you challenge their masculinity. And this is where many of the problems lie in, that it's not so much the person who's challenging the boss is doing it to emasculate them, but to help point out something that the organization can be better for it. But instead, it's predicated on insecurity that was touched, where if the boss is driven by that insecurity, then they might reassert control over their subordinates because they fear that in a way, the inmates are going to be run in the prison. If the bosses and leaders of these organizations see it, or run it in this type of manner, then it becomes about dominance instead of a partnership. Where dominance is predicated on do as you're told without thinking about it. Viewing people as an input and output of an organization, of how much they can get done to earn their keep. When it becomes about a partnership, it's based on a level of cohesiveness that strengthens trust between all those involved. That toxic form of masculinity can be threatened by a partnership like this. But that masculinity can be leveraged to recognize, you know what, maybe we can be better in this type of manner where it's more relationship-based instead of just a select few having power over the masses. If leaders of these workplaces adopt this, 
then this can help serve the people that they lead. People will respond with greater energy because they'll operate with a sense of purpose instead of a sense of obligation. But sadly, the work week is viewed as dreading Mondays and longing for Friday afternoons because the weekend is all that they're working for. To me, this sounds like such a depressive state because five days out of the week, we're spending more time working. And if that work or workplace is what is dreaded, then way more time is being spent in a miserable state. And the weekend is used to forget what happened during the week or to recover from it. This leads to not enjoying the weekends, which is why many people say that the weekend went by so fast. Maybe they only started to get in the rhythm of enjoying it on a Sunday afternoon. And masculinity is also associated with competition, where they're thinking that the opponent is the enemy and it must be destroyed at all cost. That beating them validates their manliness, that manhood. And if you don't, it means you're not man enough. But this is all or nothing where that thinking tends to to cut out each other's legs from underneath each other, where the winners come at the expense of the losers, looking to see how can I best disadvantage my competitors so I ensure victory. That it's almost like fight to the death type of mentality. And this is a really interesting topic when it comes to competition. Because if you look at the animal kingdom, when animals are competing for a resource such as food, water, land, or a mate, they see each other as a threat for what they're striving for. So their thinking or their instinct is, I need to beat my opponent. In extreme cases, there might be a limited amount of resources while they'll see each other as a threat. Because if one of them loses, that means they might be at jeopardy of not surviving. Or it can be viewed in another type of way where competition brings out the best in me. Because it forces me to rise up to who I'm competing against. In reality, this makes the opponent an asset because it makes me better. And if we happen to lose at whatever that we're competing for, in the short term, we do deal with disappointment, which can hurt to know that we didn't accomplish what we set out to do. But this is a motivator that makes us want to better ourselves. So competition gives us an opportunity to become better at whatever we choose to do. I want to circle back to insecurities just for a little bit. Because in this toxic form of masculinity, those insecurities are covered up by certain things to make up for them. So these common things of having more can be used to show people of how great or how strong they are so they can convince themselves of it. That if others tell them it, then they'll believe it. For some, there might be a greater emphasis put on making a massive amount of money to signify how much power they have. Or having more material possessions might in a way compensate for those things that they might be insecure about. It could be that the more people they have influence over is what inflates their ego. But no matter how much they amass in whatever their pursuit is, those insecurities are always going to be present. That stings to know when they're brought up in some sort of manner. And this might be in large part because of their upbringing of what it means to be masculine. That many look up to those of significant wealth because it means more and more can be seen as a high level of respect. So it becomes about your worth is based on an actual dollar amount. And if we remember, 
we're social creatures that need to and want to be accepted by our peers. Maybe not all of them, but at least a few. So if our peers think in a certain manner, then we want to be accepted and we'll do so by aligning to what they value. It's understandable we all do not intend to be lonely, but sometimes that's the price we got to pay to find the right fit for us. When you can start to work on addressing those insecurities, that truly signifies a place of strength where you're coming from because you have the courage to work through that uncomfortableness. It can hurt to know, you know what? I am sensitive about how I talk, how I walk, how I look, how others respond to me, or what I've done in the past. Being willing to be honest with yourself lets that guard down so each time it stings to visit certain topics, it hurts a little less and a little less, to the point where it might no longer become an insecurity. Taking care of these types of things allows us to let go of needing to cover things up because we're secure in who we are. There's a tendency amongst men that these types of things that they're going through are not readily accepted to be talked about amongst other men. The constant poking and prodding, making fun of their manliness for feeling down, makes it difficult to even acknowledge those hard times that they might be going through. The common phrase of, you're a wimp, or stop being such a sissy, only makes us feel rejected. Where we start to question, what's wrong with me? Then, maybe I'm not who I thought I was. And this can feel very isolating. Where it's okay for women to open up about their insecurities and vulnerabilities, but it's not okay for men to do so. And when women do this, it doesn't mean that they're weak. It just means that they're proactive in their self-care. And we need to do the same for men in need, or better yet, being proactive before it's needed. That men need to be listened to for their concerns that they have. If not, then it feels like they're carrying the weight all by themselves, and eventually they'll become tired, and this could lead to all that weight falling down on them, feeling like they've been crushed. Let's let go of seeing masculinity as a male-only thing, and instead, see it as a reassurance of being comfortable in who we are. Both women and men can be masculine, but we have to be careful that it does not become toxic. There's no need to feel superior to anyone because that only feeds the ego that covers up insecurities and instead leverage its strength to work for you. So in those times that you're challenged, use it to build your confidence that you can overcome what you're facing. Masculinity can propel us forward if managed properly, where we say, you know what, I can do this. It's not a simple definition that is universal for everyone, so take the time to define what masculinity is to you and how it can empower you. Yelling and being abrasive does not signal strength alone, but sometimes in being restrained from giving in to the things that upset you are a true sign of power. Just because you can does not mean you should. It is about using your power only when necessary, not simply to prove a point. I once heard, pride generates disgrace, humility generates wisdom. Use the power you have for a greater good and not just to flex it in front of others. How are you going to use your masculinity? I'm really interested to hear what you all think about what masculinity means to you. So please write in and let me know what you think. So that's the conclusion of this podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in more topics like this, sign up to become a member at Thriving Minds at www.thrivingminds.live. All right, until next time.